Our uh, second reading this morning of God's Word comes to us uh, from the second letter of Paul to the church in Corinth. We're picking up where we left off last week. We'll be reading in chapter 9, verses 1 to 5. Listen for God's Word to you. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you are really ready, you really are ready, as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found out you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The um, the year that I did my prison ministry, I would occasionally go to E-Block. Normally, uh, I didn't go to E-Block, but periodically I would get a request from somebody who wanted me to go see them on E-Block. And E-Block was where people went when they had been bad prisoners or when they had been uh, brought back to prison after a parole violation. And uh, some of them had been bad people out in the world. They got out of prison and they went back to their old life of crime or whatever it is. But what I saw over and over again was this tragic phenomenon where people would be arrested because they had crossed a state line. In New Jersey, that's really easy to do because if you want to go anywhere except New Jersey, you go to Philadelphia or you go to New York City. All you've got to do is cross a bridge and then you have violated your parole because you're in a different state. And so I saw this over and over again. And I thought to myself, you know, it would be good if you had better friends who didn't say, hey, let's go clubbing or something like that. But, but, but I understood, you know, it's not like they were out, you know, heisting banks or something. You know, these are, these are people who just made a dumb mistake and, um, they wound up back in prison because of it. Because freedom is hard. When they were back in prison, they didn't have the problem of what if I go to New York City? What if I go to Philadelphia? They didn't have that problem because they weren't going anywhere as long as they were locked up. But once they got outside, they discovered that freedom is hard. Now, every one of them would have told you freedom is better, but freedom is harder. And sometimes it was too hard and they wound up back in prison. When you first go to college, uh, you may have had the experience of noticing that the professors don't take role. And so that means you don't have to get up for that early morning class. And if, if you indulge this, this fantasy that you, you uh, are, are kind of tempted by, then you may pay 
you, you may reap a bitter harvest later on. But, but in general, college professors don't take attendance. They assume that you're a, you're a grown up and you're gonna come to class or suffer the consequences. And once in a while you, you meet one that's like, you know, he actually takes attendance or whatever and then you go on rate my professor and say, you know, what a loser and so forth because he's treating me like a high school student, right? But we understand that's one of the distinctions, right? You have more freedom as a college student. When you're in high school, you have to go, right? It's just required. But when you go to college, college, you're free. And you have to learn how to exercise that freedom responsibly because freedom is better, but freedom is harder. We are, um, we are uh, in, in a series talking about generosity, and this is a place where we see this um, as an as aspect of our Christian life. Uh, uh, we often say around here that that Jesus, um, uh, when we follow Jesus, when we when we become disciples of Jesus, we will have better lives, but they will not necessarily be easier. And one of the ways that they're going to be harder is we're going to have to exercise the freedom we have. Last, uh, uh, I should say this year, at the beginning of this year, um, Margo and I quit giving money to the church. And it wasn't an intentional uh, process on our part. What we had done is we had started using the electronic giving, and we'd set up a recurring payment. But we had it expire at the end of the the end of the year, and then we just forgot. And it was uh, it was basically until the end of February before we got caught up on the money we hadn't been paying. Um, and the reason is because freedom is hard. Even even things like that. Even when you've got a little robot helper, um, sometimes you make mistakes. Freedom is hard. And that includes in the area of giving. So, um, so I tell you all this because we're going to talk about an aspect of our freedom that can be difficult for us. Um, and and it is it is it is only because we are free. In a sense, the the people of God prior to the coming of Jesus, before Jesus fulfilled the law, they would have been able to say that they were in prison or or in high school, depending on which metaphor they, they felt better described the situation, they didn't have the freedom to decide whether or not to give to the work of God's people. We heard a little bit about the tithe in our first reading, and that's the system they would have known. Now we only saw we, we only heard one one uh, small reading, but it's but it's a, a treated at great length throughout the Hebrew scriptures. And there are all these rules that you are subject to the sacrificial system. So you have to bring a tithe to the temple. You have to tithe on different things that happen according to whether your your crops are good or bad. You have to uh, tithe on the number of sheep you have and things like that. So there's a complicated system. You do tithing and you bring sacrifices. And Jesus fulfilled that system. And Christians are free. You are not subject to a tithing system as a Christian. But freedom can be hard. And sometimes you forget to set up the recurring giving properly. They don't have re- recurring giving back in um, in the scriptures, but they sometimes found that they didn't do the thing that they meant to do. And so that's where Paul, uh, that's where we pick things up in our letter here today. Paul says, I really don't need to write to you about the ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. And then he proceeds to write them about the ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. And uh, that means he really did need to, but he's too polite to say so. Why did Paul need to write to them? Because he knew they were about to make a mistake. He said, he said, you have been exercising your freedom admirably. You have, you have not just been admirable, you have been inspirational. He says, I know how eager you are to help. I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. 
And he says, it was your enthusiasm that stirred them up. You are an example. They, they, they listened to what you were doing and they said, wow, that's a great idea. Can we get in on that too? And so if you go back to chapter 8, you see what happened. Something truly amazing. Paul, Paul is telling them something amazing happened in the churches in Macedonia. And you get to take some of the credit for that because it was your example that inspired them. So he says, he says, you, you have been exercising your freedom very well in, in most admirably. But he says, he says, you're about to make a mistake. I mean, he doesn't say it, but he's writing the letter that he says he doesn't need to write because he knows they are about to make a mistake. And the reason is that that initial enthusiasm has waned. That, that they, they had been on fire a year ago and they had started this collection. There was the church in Jerusalem. People there were suffering and they said, we can help. And they did. And word got around. People in Macedonia heard about it. They said, we can help too. But in the meantime, back in Corinth, their enthusiasm just kind of faded away. Whatever, whatever it was, we don't know all the different circumstances, but, but they just kind of quit doing it. And you know how this happens, right? You know, something comes up and you don't do it this week or, or whatever it is. You have a goal you're trying to achieve, but the emotions wane. And when the emotions wane, you don't feel the urgency to do it. And so Paul says, that's, that's a terrible mistake. And he says, um, so I'm sending these brothers to make sure you really are ready. He says, he says, I know your hearts. I know you. I mean, I, I lived among you for 18 months, and I know your hearts are in the right place. But I know what has happened here. You have you have just kind of let this let this offering go by the wayside, and so I'm going to do something very awkward. He says, "I'm sending these brothers to make sure you really are ready, and that the money is all collected." He says, "I don't want to be wrong in my boasting. We would be embarrassed if if I'd been telling telling things about you that that weren't true." Um, but he said, imagine your own embarrassment if some Macedonians came with us on the trip, right? He says, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. Now, the way I'm reading about, the way I'm reading this, I have a question. If you go back uh, to verse 2, he says, in fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonians. And then he says, what if some of the Macedonians came with me? And I'm thinking... He's saying there are massive, you know, this is a regional conflict. This is, you know, the, the big city and, and the, the, the sticks. And he says some of them are going to be predisposed to think poorly of you, right? A lot of them were really excited to hear what you did, right? But there's a few. And what would happen if those people who are predisposed to, to dislike you or think ill of you, what if they came? He said, what if some Macedonians? So maybe that's what he's getting at. Maybe he just means I don't know who's going to be on, on this party and you'll be embarrassed either way. And he says, he says, you really will be embarrassed. So he said, I thought I would send you along, send these brothers along uh, to make sure the gift you promised is ready. And the word promise here is a technical word in Greek culture. Um, scholars tell us that, that in first century Greek, there, uh, Greece, there was a, a, what was called an honor shame culture, which meant the way that society was ordered was people were either honorable or they were dishonorable. And if they were dishonorable, they were, they were shamed. And so there was in the, in the forum, in the uh, agora, in, in uh, any, any Greek city, there would be a list of people you were shaming, right? Fred Smith did not do the thing he promised to do. He said he would, you know, sell me a goat and then he backed out on her whatever it was whatever it was you would shame them if they did not fulfill their promise 
And so he says, he says, you promised. That's the way people in Macedonia heard what you were up to. And now you're backing out on it. And he says, that's a terrible thing to do. But then he follows it and says, I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. He says, he says, if the desire is still there, if you still want to do this, then finish it. That desire is important. Desire is crucial. If you don't want to do this, don't do it. If you have decided, you know what, circumstances change. I decided I don't, I don't care about the church in Jerusalem. Um, uh, I've decided, frankly, that there are higher priorities. That, that I don't, that I don't have the same confidence that, that God will enable me to do the things I need to in my life if I give this money away. He says, if you make that decision and you say, I am no longer willing to give the offering, then that's fine. You are free. This is not the tithe system. This is not the sacrificial system. You are not required to give anything. But he says, unless you have, unless you have changed your mind, don't let that emotional, uh, uh, low stop you from doing the thing that you wanted to do. That desire goes beyond emotion. That yes, maybe sometimes our emotions kind of start us down a path, but he said that you should not mistake those initial emotions for what it is you're willing to do. So he says, as long as it is a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly, then do it. Desire is critical. You can't, you can't give freely without the desire. But don't confuse emotions for desire. That at some point, desire becomes a settled will. I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to bring it to a conclusion. So he says, do that. And that's really the lesson for us too. The lesson for us is we don't always have that, that emotional high that carries us through some goal that we want to do. And so we need, we need, what we need is really someone like Paul. We need someone like Paul who is willing to do the awkward thing and say, look, I am going to get in your business. I am going to ask you, hey, that thing you said you were going to do a year ago, how's that coming? Have you put the money aside that you said you would? And if not, is there some reason you're not going to do it now? We need people to hold us accountable. We, we accept this in all kinds of areas of Christian, Christian faith. But for some reason, people are extra touchy about money. And so Paul says, I know how awkward this is. I know you're not going to enjoy hearing this, but I'm going to send Titus and these two other brothers, and they're going to have an awkward conversation with every one of you. Because you're on the verge of making a big mistake. And so he says, I can't in good conscience let that go. I'm going to have to have that awkward, that awkward moment with you as, as myself with the letter and then in person, uh, through, through Titus and the two brothers. And that's what we all need. We all need someone like Paul who can say, how's that coming? Uh, a year ago you said you were going to do this. Are you still, are you still doing that? How's that, how's that working out? Is that, is that on track? Do you need, do you need a nudge? This is, this is what Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to love one another. There's 59 times in the New Testament it says, bear one another's burdens. It talks about sharing, sharing with each other. It talks about taking care of one another. It talks about loving one another very practically. So 59 different commands that all boil down to love each other. And so have that awkward conversation. Now I have to tell you, I'm not going to be Paul. The way that this church is organized, I don't see your giving. I don't know what any of you give. 
And um, I've actually been challenged by that, uh, by the current bishop and, the, and her predecessor. They both expected me to do that. And I've said, I don't know why there is at this church, there is entrenched opposition to that idea that the pastor would exercise pastoral oversight in that area. So I don't do it. And I've said, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's something directed at me personally or if it's some injury that happened, you know, two decades ago. I said, I just really don't know. And people haven't been willing to engage with me uh, theologically why that is. But I've told them, I said, I'm not going to be that person at this church. And I'm not. So um, I don't know what any of you give. But I doubt if any of you are more spiritual than this church in Corinth that Paul was the pastor of for 18 months. Because I know I'm not Paul. And I doubt if you are as spiritual as they are. We aren't challenged in the same way they are. You know, no one's going to throw you to the lions. But if you want to get that way, you need people like Paul in your life. You need someone who can challenge you. You can say, hey, you are exercising your freedom, but are you exercising it well? And if you want to do this, if this is your desire, then fine. If you have decided, though, to be generous with your time or with your money, then do it. The desire alone is not enough. You actually have to execute. That at some point, you need someone in your life who can tell you, show me the money. So, how do you do that? Well, I told you, I'm not going to be that person. Maybe you can find someone in the church. Maybe you can find somebody who isn't in the church, right? You know, no one needs to know, right? Um, but you may need somebody who can who can push you and say, hey, are you doing what you wanted to do? Maybe you can do it yourself. You know, write it down. Say, I'm going to commit that this year I'm going to give this much time and this much money to the church. And maybe you can get a robot to do it, and then you'll program it properly, which we didn't. But but next next year we, we know. Maybe you can have a robot do it. Maybe maybe you need training wheels. You, you say, you know what, I'm not ready for college. I'm still in high school. I need to use a, a, a mechanistic approach. I need something like the tithe. I need to pick a percentage and give that because I'm not I'm not effective yet. And so I need some external external guide to help me be um, as generous as I want in my heart to be. But whatever it is, figure out what sort of support you need because freedom is hard. Freedom is better than being locked up. But it's harder. And as Christians, we are called to support one another. Imagine what it would be like. Imagine, just 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 close your eyes for a minute and imagine a church where everyone... Some of you had your eyes closed, eyes closed already. Um, but, but imagine what it would be like, what it would be like if Christians did this, if Christians did exactly what Paul said, if there was no embarrassment, no guilt, no shame, if Christians gave exactly what they wanted and they were comfortable giving and receiving encouragement to one another in the area of money. Just imagine what kind of, what kind of impact that would make in the world, both in terms of the things we could do through our collective uh, action, but also what kind of what kind of picture that would paint of the Christian church if we if we lived in the way we believe, if we actually put into practice what it is we believe. Imagine what it would be like if Christians could get beyond shame and embarrassment and guilt and just do what we really wanted to do. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we are grateful that in Christ we have been freed from the sacrificial system, that we are no longer required to give a tithe or, or sacrifice a goat or anything else, Lord. We have been utterly freed from uh, any obligation that has been laid upon us. So we give you thanks first for that, Lord, but we ask you, because we are still working out uh, what it means to be free, Lord, we pray that you would help us to figure out how to be free well. Uh, Whether we need encouragement from a friend, whether we need uh, some kind of a structured process, whether we need to make a commitment and then just look at the refrigerator every week and say, how am I doing? Whether we need to set up an automated system to do recurring giving, Lord, give us wisdom, uh, guide us, and and help us to have that that help so that we can do what it is we've decided to do. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.